up, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and welcome back to episode four of Time Out with Tony, your host, Tony. All right, ladies and gentlemen, there's this episode and then the next episode. And after that, we're done with our 80s week. So I got to say, it was really cool doing this. Um, And today's topic, we are going to be reviewing E.T. You know, the one movie about the alien? Anyways, uh, yeah, so we're reviewing E.T. I got to say, it's a... It's not a personally a favorite of mine. My mom loves it. My mom loves it. Probably because she didn't have friends growing up. Anyways. <laughs> I make jokes, people. I make jokes. Anyways. Um, yeah, no. Um, it's, a, it's a good movie. It's a good movie for all ages, if I'm going to be honest. If you were to show E.T. to a kid from today, I'm pretty sure they, they, they'd actually like the movie. Of course, they'd be like, where the fuck's the CGI? And why aren't they bringing pop culture references? Because if they were to make pop culture references, it'd be to the 50s, not the 80s. They are in the 80s. Anyways. Yeah. So before we get into today's episode, thank you guys so much for the support. It means a lot, really. I can't express it enough. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for, you know, taking time out of your day, sitting down, opening Spotify or whatever you listen to your podcast. And, you know, just hitting play on on on, on one of my episodes. You know, it, it, it means a lot, really. So keep it up. You know, anyways, um, yeah, if you haven't already, feel free to follow us on our Instagram at timeout underscore with underscore Tony podcast, new episodes at least twice a week. So keep an eye out for that. All right. <clears throat> so let's just get straight into today's episode. Without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, sit back, relax and crack over a beer, soda and or water folks and enjoy because this is E.T. Okay, so for those of you that do not know, E.T. or as a lot of people or as the official movie title actually is, E.T. the Extraterrestrial is a 1982 science fiction film produced and directed by Steven Spielberg and written by Melissa Matheson. Sorry, Matheson. It tells the story of a boy named Elliot. He befriends an extraterrestrial dubbed E.T. who has been left behind on Earth. Along with his friends and family, Elliot must find a way to help E.T. find his home. The film also stars D. Wiley, uh, D. Wallace, Peter Coyote, Robert McNaughton, Drew Barrymore, and Henry Thomas. The film's concept was based on an imaginary friend that Spielberg had created not long after his parents' divorce as a kid. In 1980, Spielberg met Matheson and developed a new story from the unrealized project Night Skies in less than two in less than two months, Matheson wrote the first draft of the script titled E.T. and Me, which went through two rewrites. The project at first was rejected by a lot of studios like Columbia Pictures, who doubted its commercial potential. Universal, however, eventually purchased the script for a million, and filming would go on to take place from September to December of 1981 on a budget of $10 million. Unlike most films, E.T. was shot in rough chronological order to facilitate convincing emotion, uh, emotional performances from the young cast. Animatronics for the film were designed by Carlo Rombaldi. 
E.T. would go on to have its premiere at as the closing film of the Cannes Film Festival on May 26, 1982, and was released in the U.S. on June 11, 1982. Now the film, sorry, the film was an immediate blockbuster, surpassing Star Wars to become the highest-grossing film of all time, a record it held for 11 years until Spielberg beat his own record with 1993's Jurassic Park. <coughs> Now, E.T. was widely acclaimed by critics and is often regarded as one of the greatest kids' films of all time. The film received nine, nomina- nine nominations at the 55th Academy Awards, winning Best Original Score, Best Visual Effects, Best Sound, and Best Editing. It also went on to win five Saturn Awards, two Golden Globes, and yeah. <laughs> the film was re-released in 1985 and yet once more in 2002 to celebrate its 20th anniversary with altered shots, visual effects, additional scenes, shit like that. It was also re-released in IMAX on August 12th, 2022 to celebrate its 40th anniversary. Where? I need to go see it. What the fuck? Anyways, uh, in 1994, the film was added to the U.S. National Film Registry of the Library of Congress. Who deemed it culturally, historically, or aesthetically? significant right so let's take a look at the plot so sorry (laughs) sorry it's just this is the fourth episode i've recorded in a row so it's like i'm tired i want to go home even though i already am home right so uh wait did i just okay cool i thought it was anyways so our story opens up on alien botanists that secretly visit Earth at night to gather specimens in a California forest. One of them separates from the group, and he is fascinated by the distant city lights. U.S. government vehicles, however, arrive and start to chase the startled creature. The other aliens depart, abandoning him on Earth, fuckers, fuckers. and uh, in a nearby neighborhood in... <laughs> You guessed it, the San Fernando Valley. 10-year-old Elliot Taylor's suspicions are aroused when he pitches a baseball into a tool shed and the ball is thrown back. Later that night, Elliot returns to the flashlight and discovers a creature among the cornstarks. He freaks the fuck out and flees the scene. Despite his family's belief, uh, disbelief, Elliot leaves a trail of candy to lure the alien into his house. Before bed, he realizes the alien is imitating his movements. And the next morning, Elliot fiends sickness to stay home from school and play with him so he can feel the alien's thoughts and emotions. Show when the alien accident, uh, show, shown, sorry, <clears throat> I messed that sentence up. As it turns out, he can feel the alien's thoughts and emotions. And it's shown when the alien accidentally opens up an umbrella, stumbles him, and simultaneously, uh, Elliot several rooms away. Later that day, Elliot introduces his older brother, Michael, and his seven-year-old sister, Gertie, to the alien, deciding to keep him hidden from their mother, Mary, because, I mean, if my kid brought it home and a fucking alien and showed it to me, I'd be... Anyways... Uh, when the children ask the alien about his origins, he shows them levitating, uh, he shows them by levitating several balls, representing his planetary system, and demonstrates his powers by reviving dead, uh, chrysanthemums, chrysanthemums. He demonstrates his healing power through his glowing fingertip on a minor cut that was on Elliot's finger. I remember seeing that. That scene is actually one of my earliest memories. I'm not going to lie. Uh, my earliest memories as a kid or just my earliest member, uh, earliest memories ever, dude. Like, 
It's it's the ET fucking fixing Elliot's finger. That's one of my first, one of the first scenes I I uh, I ever remember. One of the first memories I have, really. Anyways, at school the next day, Elliot begins to experience a much stronger empathetic connection with the alien, including exhibiting signs of intoxication because the alien is at home drinking beer and watching TV and freeing the frogs in his biology class. <laughs> uh, as the alien watches John Wayne kiss Maureen O'Hara in The Quiet Man on TV, Elliot kisses a girl he likes similarly and is sent to the principal's office because that's that's harassment. That's harassment, fellas, okay? Unless a girl says, kiss me, or yeah, you can go ahead and kiss me, or even gives you a sign, or even just nods your head. You don't, you don't, you don't just go up to a girl and kiss her like that. All right, folks? Don't do it. Gentlemen? Some women? <clears throat> Anyways. Uh, the alien dubs himself E.T., reading a comic strip where Buck Rogers stranded is uh, stranded, calls for help by making uh, by building a makeshift communication device, and is inspired to try it himself. E.T. gets Elliot's help to build a device to fawn and by using speak and spell. Michael notices that E.T.'s health is declining, and that Elliot is referring to himself as we. Throughout this, the boys aren't aware that the E.T. is being tracked by government agents and all three of them are being spied on. The feds! The feds! The feds are coming! Ah, the feds! Anyways, on Halloween night, Michael and Elliot dress E.T. as a ghost to sneak him out. E.T. and Elliot head through the forest where they successfully call home. The next day, Elliot wakes up in the field finding E.T. gone. He returns home to find uh, to his worried family and Michael discovers E.T. dying next to a covert. He takes him home uh, to an also dying Elliot. Mary becomes horrified upon discovering her son's illness and the dying alien. Just as a group of government agents dressed in biohead suits, uh, biohead suits led by Keys invade the house. Scientists set up a lab at the house asking Michael, Mary, and Gertie what they know about the E.T. while scientists are treating E.T. and Elliot. Uh, 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 the mental connection between E.T. and Elliot disappears. E.T. appears to die while Elliot recovers. Elliot gets covered away, uh, carried away, screaming that the doctors are killing the E.T. as they try to revive him. When the doctors pronounce E.T.'s dead, Michael discovers that the chrysanthemums that the E.T. previously revived are dying as well. As Elliot tries to revive him, the doctors pronounce, sorry, <clears throat> are dying again, sorry. As Elliot recovers, the scientists return him to his family, but then Keys leaves him alone with the E.T. Elliot says a tearful goodbye, telling the E.T. that he loves him before closing the case. E.T.'s heart light begins to glow, and Elliot notices that the chrysanthemum is once again coming back to life and opens the case. E.T. reanimates and tells Elliot that his people are returning. That's the only reason why he came back to life, I guess. Elliot and Michael steal the van that E.T. has been loaded into, and the chase ensues. Michael's friends join them on bicycles, evading the authorities, and suddenly facing a police roadblock, uh, E.T. helps him escape by using his telekinesis and lifting them into the forest air like he had done for Elliot before and creates that iconic shot that you see. Standing near the spaceship, E.T. Uh, e. heart glows as he prepares to uh, return him home. Mary, Gertie, and Keith show up. E.T. says goodbye to Michael and Gertie as she presents him with a flower he had revived. Before boarding the spaceship, he embraces Elliot and tells him, I'll be right here. And he points, uh, he points his glowing finger to uh, Elliot's forehead. He picks up the chrysanthemums and boards the spaceship. As the others watch it take off, the ship leaves a rainbow in the sky. And that, my friends, is E.T.
Who's that? Who's the only friend I could ever know? He's so lonely. And I was his only friend. And he had to go. Oh, anyways. Alright, folks, 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 folks. The rating. So, 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 so. <laughs> um, <laughs> on a scale of 1 to 10, I have got to give ETA. Oh, shit. Uh, a. So it's not that difficult to give this uh, to give this shit a rating. Um, I give ET a nine out of ten. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, a nine out of ten. And here is why. So first and foremost, the reason why we gotta give it such a high score and not a low score is because while although it is a kids movie, this shit just touches your heart in so many different ways that you have like like you got no idea, bro. Like you could be a grouch grouchy ass motherfucker, fucking. Cold-hearted motherfucker, fucking no fucks given type of motherfucker shit, and you watch this movie and you'll be crying at the end, bro. Like that's just how touching this movie is, bro. So, yeah, the plot itself, the themes itself, the um, you know what? Fuck it. Even the acting itself, it's great. All right. Now, what bothers me so much, pisses me off as well about this movie, is the certain plot holes that just don't make sense. Like, um, I don't know, if I were to find something weird moving in the forest that looked like my ball sack, I wouldn't take it home, you know? Like, I just... Oh, sorry, I'd follow it in home. <laughs> uh, silly. Anyways, yeah, no, something looked like my ball sack that was rummaging around in my backyard. I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't touch it. I just... Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. I mean, uh, that's that's just me though. That's just me though. Things were different in the eighties, so I um, yeah. Anyways, so you know, it's it's um, it's just one of those touchy films, you know. Nine out of ten. Let me know what you guys think, but yeah, I don't really have much to say about it uh, other than the fact that you know it's really touching because. I, I can't really, you know, go deep into discussion about the movie because, you know, if I take a movie, a kid's movie piece by piece and, you know, kind of dissect it, we'd be here for hours and um, I, I, I they people would just tell me to get a life. So, yeah, um, overall, it's a decent movie and I highly recommend it, especially for family movie night. It's just something that'll touch your heart. Anyways, so production for the film began as early as the year 1960. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Almost more than 20 years before the film was released, the film was conceived. Um, his, his parents divorced at a young age, so director Sp Steven Spielberg filled the void with an imaginary alien com uh, companion that he later recalled as, quote, a friend who could, who, uh, who could be the brother he never had, and the father that he feel he didn't have anymore, end quote. In 1978, he would shoot a film entitled Growing Up, which he would film in four weeks. The project um, was set aside due to delays on Project 1941, but the concept of making a small autobiographical film about childhood would stay with him. He also thought about a follow-up to Close Encounters of the Third Kind, and he began to develop a darker project he had planned with John Sayles called Night Skies, in which malevolent aliens terrorize a family. 
Filming in Raiders of the Lost Ark in Tunisia caused a sense of loneliness in Spielberg. Far from his family and friends, he made memories of his childhood creation resurface. He told screenwriter Melissa Matheson about Night Skies, and he developed a subplot from the failed project in which Buddy, the only friendly alien, befriends an autistic child. Buddy's abandonment on Earth in the script's final scene inspired the concept of E.T. Matheson wrote a first draft titled E.T. and Me in Eight Weeks, which Spielberg considered perfect. The script would go on to do through two more drafts, one by Matthew Robbins, which got uh, deleted, and Eddie Haskell-esque friend of Elliot's named Lance. The chase sequence was also created, and he also suggested having the scene where E.T. got drunk because... Turn up! Something about getting drunk just made me want to drink water. Okay. In early uh, summer of 81, while Raiders of the Lost Ark was being promoted, Columbia Pictures met with Steven Spielberg to discuss the script. After having to develop <clears throat> Night Skies with the director as the intended sequel to Close Encounters of the Third Kind, Marvin Atonowski, uh, uh, the head of Columbia Pictures Marketing and Research Development, concluded that it had a limited com commercial potential. He believed that it would appeal to mostly young children. He was wrong. John Vatich... Sorry, I pronounced that wrong. Vage, president of the studio's Worldwide Productions, also felt that uh, the script was not good or scary enough to draw enough crowds. And on the advice of these two dudes, Columbia CEO Frank Price passed on the project, thus putting it in a turnaround, and Spielberg approached the more receptive Sid Scheinberg, president of MCA, the then-parent... Sorry. The then-parent company of Universal Studios. Spielberg told Scheinberg to acquire the E.T. script from Columbia Pictures, which he did for a million dollars, and struck a deal with Price in which Columbia would retain 5% of the film's net profits. Rage later recalled that, quote, I think in 1982 we made more on that picture than we made in any of our films, end quote. <clears throat> and he wasn't wrong, I think. Wait, wait, anyways. So, filming and principal photography began in the neighborhoods of the Los Angeles County and in the San Fernando Valley in September of 1981. The film, uh, the project was filmed under the name A Boy's Life as Spielberg did not want anyone to discover and plagiarize the plot. <clears throat> the actors, uh, the actors had to read the script behind closed doors and everyone on set had to wear an ID card. See, it's like a Marvel movie. The shoot began with two days at Culver City High School, and then the crew would spend the next 11 days moving between locations at Northridge and Tijunga. The next 42 days were then spent at the Lard International Studios in Culver City for the interiors of Elliot's home to be shot at. Uh, the crew shot at a, near, at a redwood forest near Crescent City in Northern California for the production's last six days, and the exterior Halloween scene with uh, and the flying bicycle chase scenes were filmed in Porter Ranch. So, you know, it's not far from where I'm from. Spielberg shot the film in roughly chrono chronological order in order to achieve co convincingly emotional performances from his cast. It was also done to help the child actors with the workload. Spielberg calculated that the film would hit home harder if the children were really saying goodbye to E.T. at the end, but I guess it didn't. Um... In the scene where Michael first encounters E.T., his appearance caused McNaughton to jump back and actually knock the shelves behind him down. 
chronological shoe gave the young actors an emotional experience as they bonded with E.T., making the quarantine scenes more moving. Spielberg ensured the puppeteers were kept away from the set to maintain the illusion of a real alien. For the first time in his career, Spielberg did not storyboard most of the film, and in order to facilitate spontane- uh, spontaneity, sp- spontaneity, I don't even know, uh, in the performances, why not? Uh, the films were shot so adults, except for D. Wallace, are never seen from the waist up in its first half, as it uh, as it is a tribute to the cartoons of Tex Avery, according to Spielberg, in which uh, the scene in which the actors, uh, sorry, in which E.T. disguises himself as um, as a toy in Elliot's closet, was suggested by fellow act or director Robert Zemeckis after he had read a draft of the screenplay that uh, Spielberg had sent him. In between takes, the actors spent time would spend time doing activities like riding bicycles around the sound stages playing Dungeons and dragons which was seen uh which was seen in a in a in a in one of the scenes uh, early in the film uh they would also attend school lessons and whatnot shoot was completed in 61 days four days ahead of its schedule damn bro that's crazy remember when they used to damn i uh, Nowadays they'd be taking like three months, almost the whole fucking year, just to just to film, just to shoot a movie. That's crazy. Anyways, in a 2022 interview, Sean Fry, who played Steve, revealed how the visual effect close-up shots for the climax of the flying bicycle chase scene were filmed, and reflected on the experience, saying, "Quote: We were on these rigs. They're pulling the tree backwards, past us on tracks, so it looks like we're going through." up and through and over to create this illusion that we're uh, going forward when we're going nowhere. Then the pushing and pulling of the things so that the bike is up and down and we get that and we can get that whoa effects which was great. BMX riders were um, hired for you know to serve as stunt doubles for the scene and whatnot although actually what yeah I could get it I could get why. Now <clears throat> um Oddly enough, there were allegations of plagiarism on this movie. Um, and it said that the film was supposedly pra- uh, plagiarized from a script that was made by Indian director Syat, uh, um, Sat, Sat, I can't fucking pronounce it. I, I really can't pronounce his name. Uh, Satajit. Satayi Rai, I don't even, I can't even fucking pronounce his name, bro. I'm getting, I try my best. Uh, it was made by an Indian director. It was a, it was a, uh, sorry, it was a, uh, a script that was written by an Indian director in 1967 titled The Alien. And he said, quote, E.T. would not have been possible without my script of the alien being available throughout the United States in my, uh, my, my graft copies, end quote. Now, Spielberg denied this, stating, quote, I was a kid in high school when this script was circulating in Hollywood, end quote. Spielberg's friend, director Martin Scorsese, also alleged that the film was influenced by race script. Star Weekend magazine disputed uh, Spielberg's claim pointed out that he had graduated from high school in the year 1965 and began his career as a director in Hollywood in 1969. The Times of India noted that E.T. and the close encounters of the third kind had remarkable parallels with the alien, including the physical nature of the alien. In his screenplay, which Ray wrote entirely in English, he described the alien as a cross between a gnome and famished refugee child, 
the arch head, spindly limbs, a lean torso, is it female or, uh, uh, is it male, female, or a neuter? We don't know what it is from basically, uh, what it is from, form, sorry, what its form basically conveys, what, uh, is it kind of ethereal, in a sense, and it's difficult to associate either great evil or great power with it. Yet, a feeling of eeriness is there because of its resemblance to a sickly human child, end quote. Ray first found out about E.T. from a friend of his, British science fiction writer Arthur C. Clarke, who was familiar with the alien and believed it was plagiarized by E.T. Clarke called Ray and encouraged him to take legal action against it. No legal action was taken, however, as Ray did not want to show himself as having a vindictive mindset against Spielberg, and he acknowledged that he has made good films and is a good director. In 1984, a federal appeals court ruled against uh, playwright Lisa Leachfield, who sued Spielberg for $750 million, claiming he used her one, uh, her one-act musical play, Loki from Maldonar, as her basis for E.T. She lost this case with a for, uh, the court stating, quote, no reasonable jury could conclude that Loki and E.T. were substantially similar in their ideas and expression. Any similarities in plot exist only at the general level for which Ms. Litchfield cannot claim copyright protection. End quote. So, you know, when you aim for the top, people want to, people only want your downfall. They pray on your downfall. Praying on your downfall. Um, anyways. Right, so, release. E.T. was previewed in Houston, Texas, where it would go on to receive high marks from viewers. The film premiered at the 1982 Keynes Film Festival Closing Gala on May 26, 1982, and was released in the U.S. on June 11, 1982, opening at number one with a gross of $11 million, and it would go on to stay at the top of the box office for the next six weeks. It then fluctuated between the first and second positions until October before returning to the top spot for one last time in December during a brief holiday season re-release. In its second weekend, it recorded the highest grossing second weekend of all time, surpassing the record of $10 million that was set by Superman 2 in 1981. In its fourth weekend, it became the highest grossing weekend uh, of all time, surpassing the record of $16 million set earlier that year by Rocky 3. It had a record of 8 weekends with sorry, it had a record 8 weekends with a gross of over 10 million, a feat that would not be matched until 1990's Home Alone, and it set a record for being at number 1 for 16 weeks in total. In 1983, E.T. surpassed Star Wars to become the highest grossing film of all time, and by the end of its theatrical run, it had grossed $359 million in North America and $619 million worldwide. Box Office Mojo estimates that the film sold at least 120 million tickets in its initial U.S. theatrical run. Spielberg earned at least $500,000 a day from his share of the profits, while the Hershey Company profits rose 65% simply due to the play, uh, film's prominent placement of Reese's Pieces. The official E.T. fan club offered photographs, newsletters that let readers relive the film's unforgettable moments and favorite scenes, and a vinyl record with a phone home and other uh, sound clips was released. Following the success of the film, Quara, the company that created the BMX bikes featured in the film, began producing red and white E.T. models in three 
price and quality levels. They reissued the E.T. model in 2002 as part of the film's 20th anniversary, and then once again in 2022 as part of the film's 40th anniversary. The film was re-released once in 1985 and then again in 2002, earning another $60 million and $68 million respectively for a total worldwide of $792 million, with North America accounting for $435 million. Now the film was a... Uh, um, now the film held the global record until it was surpassed by Jurassic Park, another Steven Spielberg-directed film which was released in 1993. While it did manage to hold on to the domestic record for another four years where a Star Wars reissue reclaimant, it was eventually re-released on VHS and Laserdisc in October 1988 to combat piracy, the tape guards, and tape hubs on the video cassettes and whatnot. <clears throat> so, yeah, whatnot. Now, I'm pretty sure I just missed that. Ladies and gentlemen, my dumbass has been reading complete fucking nonsense for at least two minutes, and not once did I stop and think, what the fuck am I reading? I accidentally hit the enter button, and now I'm just reading mumblish. Okay, cool. Now, now this shit is fixed. Right, right, right. So, critical response. All right. E.T. would go on to receive universal acclaim. Robert Ebert gave the film a 4 out of 4 stars and wrote, quote, This is not simply a good movie. It's just one of those movies that brush away our cautions and win our hearts. End quote. He later added it to his great movies list, structuring the essay as a letter to his grandchildren about the first time they watched it. Michael Sargo of Rolling Stone called Spielberg's, quote, a space-age genre noir for the first time. He has put uh, breathtaking technical skills at the service of his deepest feelings. The film holds a 99% certified fresh approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes based on 136 reviews and an average rating of 9.3 out of 10. The website's critical consensus reads, quote, playing as both an exciting sci-fi adventure and a remarkable portrait of childhood, Steven Spielberg's touching tale of a homesick alien remains a piece of movie magic for young and old, end quote. On Metacritic, it was weighted. It was a weighted average score of 91 out of 100, based on 30 reviews, indicating universal acclaim. In addition to the film's wide acclaim, the then president, then U.S. President Ronald Reagan, and then U.S. First Lady Nancy Reagan were moved by it after a screening at the White House in June of 1982. Princess Diana was actually in tears after watching it as well. On September 17, 1982, it was screened at the U uh, at the United Nations. Where, where Spielberg would go on to receive a United Nations Peace Medal. Cinema Score reported that audiences polled during the opening weekend gave the film a rare A-plus grade, the first known film to ever receive a grade like that. Now, at the 55th Academy Awards, it was nominated for not one, but nine Oscars, including Best Picture. Gandhi would go on to win the award, but the director for that movie, Richard Attenborough, said, quote, I was certain that not only E.T. would win, but that it should win. It was inventive, powerful, and wonderful. I make more mundane movies. And quote. It would go on to win four Academy Awards, Best Original Score, Best Sound, Best Sound Effects, and Best Visual Effects. It won some awards at the 40th Golden Globes. It also, I'm not even going to go into that. Anyways, moving on. 
There was a canceled feature-length sequel in July of 1982 while the film was um, kicking ass and whatnot. Steven Spielberg and Melissa Matheson wrote a treatment for the sequel to be titled ET2 Nocturnal Fears. Now, the film would have shown Elliot and his friends getting kidnapped by evil aliens and attempting to con- sorry, and attempting to contact ET for help. Spielberg decided against pursuing it, feeling it will, quote, do nothing but rob the original of its virginity. ET is not about going back to the planet, end quote. However, on June 28th, 2022, Henry Thomas, the actor who played young Elliot, <coughs> revealed that he hopes a feature-length sequel never gets made, and he added, quote, I guarantee you there are a few men in a very big room right now salivating and using their abacas and slide rules to come up with some really, really big numbers. And uh, those people, um, those people are Disney. <laughs> those people are Disney. So, yeesh. Anyways, as far as the E.T. story goes, ladies and gentlemen, that's, 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 that's just pretty much where it is. That's yeah, it's pretty much we're wrapping it up, folks. So, before we go, thank you guys so much for the support. It means a lot, really, so keep it up. Spread the word. And most of all, feel free to tell your mom, dad, brother, and sister. Follow us on our Instagram at timeout underscore with underscore uh, Tony Podcast. Um, we're now on YouTube, so please, please, please check that out and whatnot. Um, this pretty much concludes today's episode, ladies and gentlemen. Let me know what you guys think about ET. Do you guys think think is that uh, it's as uh, touching as um, as I say it is, or as people say it is? Let me know by DMing us on our Instagram, or just simply DMing us on our Instagram. <laughs> um, other than that, ladies and gentlemen, thank you guys all so much for listening, and we'll catch you guys next week. Thank you, or later this week. I don't know. Thank you. Don't drink and drive. Okay, show's over. Please get out. Thank you.